Show. Tim Graham Show. This is Sports Radio 1270. The Fan. I know I'm going to get pimped. Pimp I love sausage. Thank you, Tim. Shocking. Dizzying. How did this happen? When I bring the lumber. The Tim Graham Show. I diddled uh, some poll uh, over the weekend. Right. Not me so honia. Here we go. Here we go. On Twitter at 1270 The Fan. Taking your calls at 270-1270. Here we go. The Tim Graham Show. You're going to need a bigger boat. Welcome into the Tim Graham Show. May 29th, 2019, Year of Our Lord edition. Here on Sports Radio 1270, the fan reunited, and it feels so mediocre. <laughs> Mike Rodak is back in studio. Was I not here last week? Nope. Oh, that's right. No, you were not here. Well, I'll we did try see to underwhelm again. We saw you at the bar, though. Right. <laughs> that's the important yeah, thing. You, you showed up when it counted. I was on daddy duty. Mike Rodak of ESPN.com is back. Rodak. Jonah Bronstein. Of the Bons- uh, the uh, Bronstein firm. Bash Brothers. Puny. He's in attendance, as always. Rarely misses. Did Unless you ever read I'm the Bernstein Bears as a kid? I, the books were read to me. I never really read them myself. <laughs> Did they ever call you, like, the Bronstein Bears or I don't family? Remember. Yeah, his really whole family. Remember. They used to refer to him that. I remember playing soccer one time. I had my name on the back of my jersey. Some kid used to keep calling me Kodak. Like, hey, Kodak. <laughs> like, that was some sort of insult. He got you. I will say I have some family members I saw over the weekend. They were asking me, so what is Bronstein Enterprises? Like, they they wanted a job with me. <laughs> Doing a better business bureau search. <laughs> Just in case. Do they ever ask you about your law firm when I mentioned Bronstein and Bronstein, the uh, they were sports, like, what is that? sports I mean, writing injury attorneys? Yeah, they're like, well, we, how come we didn't know about these uh, small businesses you started? And it's like, no, no, they don't really exist. The IRS is going to be next. They want to know. Bobby Rosati did on the knobs. He only caught me with a joint. That'll happen. Ty Dunn's listening. <laughs> oh, is he? The great Ty Dunn. Tyler Dunn of Bleacher Report is who you're referring to. No, he's just tweeting at us. That doesn't mean he's listening. He replied to a tweet, <laughs> That's a good Mike. point. Maybe he is listening. Could be, but I doubt it. <laughs> Big show today. A lot to talk about. Bill's practices going on. People losing their load over Josh Allen. <laughs> Bobby, stop me if I say something I'm not supposed to. <laughs> no, good. Now, I wasn't there yesterday, so I'm not, I mean, who's to say? But it is. it was May 28th. He's listening. May, t- May 28th. The only the second practice that we've seen. They're not in pads. There's no contact. Throwing against air, as they say. Des Lewis season, but people were going nuts. Brandon Riley is these oh, are Brandon these Riley, are the Brandon yeah. Riley days. Even Ricky Prohl, not Ricky Prohl, um, Austin Prohl, his son, looked good last year. This time of year, then he was terrible in camp. But anyway, I guess it's better than what Bills fans are used to in talking about EJ Manuel hitting the hospitality tent. Well, or was, when I was, was training camp, though. like EJ actually sure. looked good during OTAs at some points of his career. I remember writing about Pat White when I was covering the Miami Dolphins, hitting uh, <laughs> hitting a golf cart that was way off the field in which Bill Parcells and Bob Greasy were having a chat, and Pat White, the 
I don't know, was he second round pick or third round pick out yeah, of West Virginia? Second. But he was drafted, and Bill Parcells has since told me that this is his biggest regret in, as an as a executive, the worst draft pick he ever made was Pat White because they drafted him to be a Wildcat quarterback. They were so enamored with their own Wildcat, which was very successful and caught the league by storm for a few seasons. And they thought, if we can only get a quarterback with some mobility, because they had Chad Pennington as the quarterback, if we can essentially not sacrifice a position by having an immobile quarterback then we could really open this thing up. So they reached on Pat White, who was hitting golf carts. Anyway. But as an aside, can I just... Quickly. A quick aside. The entire idea of having like a quarterback who, like, oh, we're going to put him on the field in special packages, the whole, like, quote-unquote, special packages. Like, I'm trying to think who it was. Oh, Lamar Jackson last year for the start of the year with the Ravens. Uh, granted, he eventually became a starter, but the idea of having Flacco out there, and then we're going to put Lamar Jackson out there for special packages. It never actually works. They just they snap the ball to this other quarterback, and he runs for three yards, and it does work, there's no though. suspense. There, there's, a use to, there's a use to it. Even the Chargers now are talking about, we're going to have Phillip Rivers and Tyrod Taylor on the field at the same time. Like, okay, it can work. It can help. Uh, it, it, never, it never works. It works in college. Stop saying it never works, because it has worked, and like it does work. One and play I'm gonna, here and there. Shut up, and I'm going to tell you exactly when it works. It works on short yardage situations. You need to pick up a first down. You spread out the offense. Uh, you spread out your uh, the defense, and you run it. Mm. It ha- it wor- it's a high percentage play on short yardage. So fine, that's fine. But on short distance situations, it's highly effective. So stop saying it never works. I just gave you one example where it does work. It's like EJ Manuel doing the hard count. Which well, worked, actually, I guess. I want to say it never worked, but didn't exactly make E.J. Manuel's career here. I don't know. That is what I remember. <laughs> that and him shushing the Cleveland Browns in a preseason game. Shushing the Cleveland Browns fan. Yeah. Can we... Hey, we have a couple of minutes here. Let's yeah. see if we can get Russ Brandon on the phone. All right, let me take a look. Thank you for calling New Era Cap. If you know your party's extension, please dial it now. Wait, what is it? For a company Wait. directory by name, oh, press let's, star. Let's dial by, name. by name. Spell the last and first name, then press pound. For Q, press 7. For Z, press 9. For help, press 0. For Russ Brandon, yeah, at right. extension, press pound. To cancel, press star. Wait while I transfer your call. Sorry, Russ Brandon is not available. Damn it. Record your message Went at the tone. When you're finished, <laughs> hang up or press I thought, for, I thought we were going to get him this time. <laughs> the dial tone was better. One of these days he's going to answer. Yeah. Hey, bro. Hey. Yeah, bro, bro. That's that's right. I forgot. Lest anyone think Russ Brandon is still currently at New Era Cap. That is an old recording. Yeah. How long ago was that? It was over a Last year ago. Last year, yeah. Really? It was one of the first things I wrote. For the uh, for the athletic, and I started at the athletic in June. Yeah, a year so, ago. Seems like a lot longer ago than that, doesn't it? Yeah. All right, Mike Rodak. So tell me your thoughts about Josh Allen. Let's get your uh, your take on it. Well, here's since we've heard and no quick asides. Yeah, no asides. Just get to the topic, please. The topic is that I was not focused on Josh Allen yesterday, and forgive me for not doing that, but. When I get to OTAs, and this is true every year, like I just try to get a grasp of personnel. So I'm looking at the offensive line. I'm seeing who's lining up there. I'm looking at receiver. 
looking at running back. I'm looking at corner. There's a battle there. Looking where Ed Oliver's lining up. I'm not focused on Josh Allen from the time the ball is snapped until it's thrown. So, all right. Then what did you learn? I, I from non Josh Allen yeah. perspective, I learned that the offensive line I think has has got a long ways to go in terms of figuring out who the five starters are going to be. And I, the one thing that really I don't want to say surprised me, but kind of piqued my interest yesterday was Cody Ford getting first-team snaps at right tackle with Ty Secchi at left tackle with the second team, which, I mean, they paid Ty Secchi $8 million guaranteed. I think he's probably going to be a starter this year. So if they think Cody Ford's going to be a starter at right tackle, is Ty Secchi going to be the starter at left tackle? Take over for Deion Dawkins. I'm going to take that off the table right now. So there's that. I mean, John Feliciano, I think, is a name who Bills fans kind of brushed aside for some reason. And a lot of stuff that I've read, it's always been about Quinton Spain or Spencer Long starting at guard or even Wyatt Teller still. I think John Feliciano could, I mean, be the favorite to start at guard. Granted, he's at center right now with Mitch Morse out. Once Morse gets back, they paid Feliciano $4 million just to walk in the door. So I think he could be a starter. We'll talk about Duke Williams later with Dave Naylor from TSN. I mean, another name that Bills fans, I think, really got excited about when he signed in January at receiver. I wasn't enamored with him watching him yesterday. He had a drop. I don't think he's anywhere close to being part of this top four group of receivers. And I'm not sure that top four group is going to change and I'm not sure anybody outside that group is really going to make an impact it's going to be Zay Jones Foster Beasley and John Brown and if you're keeping a fifth receiver which you know they will Andre Roberts is the favorite there as a return man I'm not sure there's a lot of intrigue and a guy like Duke Williams I don't think is really gonna make too much of an impact um, this summer are you saying this is the next incarnation of Derrick Rogers (sighs) Yeah, Brandon Riley. I mean, there's for some reason, and, but those guys actually did something like in the spring and like Brandon Riley in the preseason did some things. I don't know that it compares to Brandon. Brandon Riley was like the slow burn guy, like he'd uh, gained some momentum. But right. Derek Rogers showed up as the Bills are going to salvage this right. misguided soul. And yeah, if not for a, a couple of mistakes, he would have been uh, a day two draft pick and big numbers at some uh, some power school. Right. And there's probably other examples that I've just lost in my brain from seven years of doing this here, but Rogers is probably a good example. Um, yeah, it just, I mean, here's the thing with Duke Williams though. He's like the biggest receiver they have on this roster and outside of him, I guess David Sills, the rookie who also I think has come in with a little bit of fanfare and he's been on the shelf with an ha- a hamstring injury. They're a very small receiver group. And that's the other thing that struck me yesterday is like John Brown is a small dude. Cole Beasley is a small guy. We know that. Zay Jones is not big by any means. And, you know, Robert Foster, I don't think is big either. So, you know, are we looking for Kelvin Benjamin and Andre Holmes? Probably not. But they're, these are small guys who there was a, a piece on ESPN Plus today uh, using evaluators around the league, unnamed evaluators. But one of their concerns is that you have a quarterback like Josh Allen who's a little bit scattershot, not the most accurate guy to say the least. And, you have these small targets, and how is that going to mix? And you know, I I did think that it, it looked pretty good yesterday, especially to Zay Jones. 
but we haven't seen him with Beasley yet. I didn't really see too much out of John Brown yet. Um, Foster, I think, had a better day last week. I wasn't there for OTAs last week, but I think the best part of this passing game might be the cross-the-middle stuff um, where some of these smaller guys can get open if they're shiftier and quicker. If you're going down to sidelines, especially in the red zone, like there's a couple throws yesterday where Allen you know, maybe gave his guys a shot. I mean, they're pretty high balls, and you don't really have a receiver who's going to go up and, and jump and get those balls. So there's, I think, some limits to the passing game that will kind of emerge. You don't um, like high balls? You know, I think you have to keep them pretty low. Like down around the knees? Right, and just kind of scoop them up from, from beneath. Um, it's probably going to have to be the technique for, for some of these guys. Mike Rodak mentioned it earlier today, uh, or, well, just earlier today. We've only been on for 13 minutes. Dave Naylor from TSN. My old boss is going to be on the show. I used to co-host with Dave Naylor up at TSN Radio on TSN 1050. We should have a show with all of your old bosses. Like, this is your life. Okay. I'd be game for that. Sure. John Banks? Sure. Anybody. You name it. I don't care. I'm not, I'm transparent. I'm unafraid. You know, none, of them, none of them are dead, are they? Um, what about Vegas? No, I don't think anybody's dead. Okay. No, everybody's still alive. Good to know. Um, most are not in their same positions. In fact, none of them is. None of them is or are? Yeah, none is. None is, none is a singular. Right. None of them is. That one always trips me up. Among other things. Yeah. Scooter Vertino. Friend of the show, senior vice president of programming. He's also the GM of NBA Digital for Turner Sports. He's the guy who runs the NBA on TNT, does all the scheduling, the programming. He's kind of Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal and Kenny Smith's boss. Great show. He's in the Broadcasting Hall of Fame, Scooter Vertino. He's also in charge of NBA TV, NBA.com, WNBA.com. The guy's got a portfolio of responsibilities he's going to be on the show later on to talk about the nba finals i did a little bit of scooter vertino research this afternoon and found out he could play a little bit in high school he was on grand hill player he was with uh he played played against grand hill i think he and grand hill may have been on a team together though in the middle school aau years i believe but we'll talk to him about he has some great grand hill stories well he's got some great charles barkley stories he's got great stories period Came up. Uh, he's uh, he's been around for a long time. He's uh, he's a friend of the show because he's such a huge Bills fan, and uh, we've been friends for for years. And he's going to help set up the NBA Finals, uh, which begin tomorrow night in Toronto. Golden State Warriors uh, versus the Toronto Raptors. So the Toronto Raptors finally get over the hump, uh, the LeBron James hump, and their reward is to go up against the Golden State Warriors, which I don't think it's uh, out of the question to think that this is a sweep potential what are the odds anybody seen any numbers on what it is what are the odds of a if you were to if i were to bet on a sweep espn's basketball power index has it as 52 48 in favor of the warriors that it's i i did see some odds i read that the betting public is going three to one for the warriors right Wow. The thing like about analytics. it with the power index, and that's with the analytics. It's right. all it's very it's all the statistical aspect of it, and it can't measure the idea of people being in this for the first time. Toronto as a city, the team, the organization. Now, of course, Kawhi Leonard's been in this position a bunch of times, but the entire Golden State Warriors 
organization has been in this situation so many times. And it's not just the players and the routines, but all the things that go along with it. Like today is NBA Finals Media Day up in Toronto, like they do with the Super Bowl and everything else. The Warriors as an organization have been through this how many times? Six? Is this five. their so this is six. No, this is five. This is their fifth. Okay, I'm sorry. So this is their fifth time going through it. So their PR guys have been through it. Their general managers and their um, all their marketing people and all this stuff. They've been. They know the drill. They know what to expect. So it's interesting. You know, the the Raptors might be the heads might be. There might be a little uh, chaos going on collectively within a within an organization that makes it here for the first time. Forgive but, my lack of knowledge and parlance here, but. The most likely outcome would be Golden State winning in six plus two seventy five. Yeah, can you tilt that towards me? My my right. headphones Again, are not, okay. So Golden, I don't speak Vegas, but no, that's okay. So Golden State in four uh, is plus five hundred. So that means that if you were to bet ten dollars, you'd get you'd win fifty plus your original ten dollar uh, bet back. Uh, the Warriors in five is a plus three fifty, uh, a three and a half to one, one to three. Yeah, three and a half to one. Uh, Golden State in six uh, is the favorite. Yeah, and that's plus two seventy five. So that means for uh, when you start throwing fives in there, my, my math uh, suffers. Uh, Golden State in seven is a plus five hundred. So Golden State in seven has the same odds as Golden State in a sweep. And uh, the big numbers is Toronto. <laughs> Ten dollars will win you two fifty for them to sweep. Uh, Ten dollars will win you a hundred for Toronto to win in five. Ten dollars will win you one hundred and twenty dollars for Toronto to win in six. And for Toronto to win in seven, ten dollars will win uh, win you sixty back. So, Toronto the the best odds of all the different scenarios for Toronto is a longer shot right. than the. Uh, than the longest odds uh, for Golden State in any scenario. Right. I know that that can uh, be uh, strange to listen to, but um, but yeah. So basically, it's uh, five to one for a sweep or Golden State in seven, uh, two hundred and fifty to one uh, for Toronto in a sweep, and six to one. Or I'm sorry, twenty five. Let me let me start that again. 25 to 1 for Toronto to win in a sweep. Right. 6 to 1 for Toronto to win uh, in 7. Um, so, yeah. I mean, that stands to reason. I think Vegas has much more favorable uh, outlook on the Warriors than the analytics do. Durant back? Not for game one. Not for game one. Probably not game two either, although he's traveling and. Mm hmm. But do you, I don't think he's been on the court doing any workouts yet, so I don't think he plays the first two games. Do you think he plays at all? Yeah. There's a lot of break in between the games in this series. So if it's a long series, yeah. we're talking two weeks until they get to game seven. But I don't know. You know, I don't know. They haven't really come out and said exactly how serious the injury is. Yeah, they said it was worse than they originally thought, though, right? Well, right. Yeah. But, I mean, I mean that's like with anything, you'd assume. Yeah, and you just don't know how quickly things heal and yeah. how willing he is that. to play hurt. I, I think he's probably willing to play hurt, but maybe not. Yeah, if he's looking I've, totally committed to doing that, and then the way they played without him, why would they rush him back? Yeah. We'll talk about Kevin Durant with Scooter Vertino and a guest that I can't name yet because I don't have it one hundred percent confirmed. I don't want to mention it, or should I? Does it matter? OJ Simpson. No. 
I mean, yeah, I guess it doesn't matter. I mean, I'm saying that it's it's if not like everybody's going to be crestfallen. Right. Well, but, but people will be disappointed if he doesn't. If you can say, well, stick around. We may have uh, a member of the Golden State Warriors with Western New York ties. Ooh. A lot of them. Not just like the guy passed through once. I mean, that- Wait, Jonah, did Steph grow up here? <laughs> yeah, next door to me. <laughs> really narrows it down. Member Golden State Warriors. The guy plays later on the Tim Graham Show. But when we come back, we're going to hear from TSN football insider Dave Naylor. He's going to talk to us about, well, there was potential for a CFL strike on the eve of training camps opening up in Canada. Uh, a deal was struck there that involves the filthy Americans. We were a problem. Canada fixed it. So the CFL season, there is now a new collective bargaining agreement. And Dave Naylor, of course, can give us a little bit of the vibe going on up in Toronto where he is uh, regarding the NBA Finals, uh, which uh, the Raptors will open at home tomorrow against Golden State. That coming up after the break on the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. Pulled out. Gurgling. Such a vagabond he is, too. He's bounced up and down and gone all around. On Twitter at 1270, the fan. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. Here with my co-host Mike Rodak of ESPN.com, Jonah Bronstein of Bronstein Consignments for all your sports writing equipment needs. Bobby Rosati on the board. Busy times going on in Toronto. Hell, in Canada, when you're talking about this time of year, even though... The Stanley Cup is being played on this side of the border. Feverish up there, as it should be. Awesome series. Well, it was a f- the first game was good, and I think that uh, the Blues may be playing a, a little over their heads. Uh, caught uh, Boston sleepwalking a first little bit. Period. I don't think. Well, the fact that it was close, at least. Right. I mean, the game itself. I mean, you at least it was you you tuned in long enough to say, hey, you know, the Blues might win this. I think that might have been St. Louis's best shot. We may see Boston run away with it now. But Toronto Raptors in the NBA Finals. And the CFL's about to begin. Training camp's uh, set to open. And with all of that taking place, collective bargaining agreement news, uh, Dave Naylor, my old boss at TSN, I was a co-host on Dave Naylor's show back in the day. I miss those days, Dave. How you been? Very well. I missed them as well too, Tim. You did uh, you did a tremendous job as a as a co-host on TSN Radio, and uh, glad whatever small part we could uh, have in launching you on your own show back in Buffalo. Awesome. It was a big part, and I will say this: yeah. that my favorite part that I would get, and you would bring it up, and we'd get a good chuckle out of it, is that when I would go up there and work on TSN, we would have all kinds of football topics because I was the football guy of your co-hosts. 
And inevitably, there'd be some hockey news that would break, uh, something with the Maple Leafs or anything around the league is big news on TSN 1050 in Toronto uh, on the uh, afternoon drive show. And uh, that management there liked me because I was bilingual, because I could speak both football and hockey. Like we're the two languages that mattered most to our show. That's and, right. That's uh, all I know. So I, I, I brought a, I enjoyed that. Uh, so Dave, you're also bilingual. You're trilingual. Mm. Tell us. Uh, we were just talking about it before yeah. the break. What's it, the mood like up there with the Raptors on the verge of opening this series at home against the Golden State Warriors? And how would you say it compares? to a vibe that you would get from a hockey sense. And, and I know that, you know, you look at Toronto, the Maple Leafs haven't been in this situation yep. for a long time, but Dave Naylor is a veteran journalist. In fact, we, I, where I got to know Dave was when I was covering the Sabres for the Buffalo News and we would end up covering uh, deep playoff runs in Ottawa or mm-hmm. Carolina or wherever. So Dave's been around these before. How, how does this compare in terms of the fan base's uh, vibe? Well, look, the, the Maple Leafs are still the number one team in this city, no question. But I, I think what we've seen really steadily over the last five or six years is that gap kind of closing. Even though the Maple Leafs have been very good with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and other, but the, the Raptors have been on such a good run. And you know, as any of your listeners who have been to Toronto know what Toronto looks like when you walk down the sidewalk, right? It is maybe uh, as diverse or even slightly more diverse than New York City is. I mean, that's, that's Toronto. And you know, ride the subway and just listen. You're going to hear you know, a dozen different languages and people from around the world. What, what kind of separates the Raptors fan base from the Maple Leafs fan base is, I mean, there are Maple Leaf fans from you know, all around the world and every shade of religion and culture and language as well. But it is still predominantly, you know, the, the old Toronto. You know, it's, it's white Canadians in their 30s, 40s, and 50s who love the Maple Leafs. And there's, I say, there's a younger generation of fans as well. Although I, I meet more and more kids who aren't, you know, sort of the traditional Canadian hockey fan, just, you know, hockey, hockey, hockey. I meet a lot of kids who are far more into baseball, basketball, or, or football than they are hockey than you would have said a generation ago. But the big thing about the Raptors is, their fan base looks like Toronto. I mean, when you go to a game and look around you, there are, you know, Asians, there are Indians, there are blacks. There's, I mean, it, it, it looks like walking down the sidewalk in Toronto is what the bowl looks like in the ACC. So I, I think that's one of the things that just distinguishes, you know, this experience for Toronto is that, you know, there, there's sort of no cultural walls to it. It's, it's the Raptors have been a very, as basketball and the NBA, I think, have been a very inclusive culture. That is really reflected, I think, in the celebration here. And, and I think people are realizing also the other part of it is just, you know, hockey is ours. And, yeah, America loves hockey and there's parts of Europe that loves hockey. But there is that sense of the NBA Finals coming here that, wow, like people watch this in China. You know, people watch this in South America. People watch this all over Europe. This is a big, big, big deal. We're in conversation with TSN football insider Dave Naylor. And you may recognize that reset, Dave. I stole it from you. Nicely. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's the tactic, man. You it, got it is clean. It is just right to the point. It does, I don't have to stammer through it. I think it's it sounds professional. Uh, Dave, uh, a question that I ask my class, a sports journalism mm. class at Canisius College, uh, sure. occasionally, just to get a a sense as to what kids that age are into. Yeah. And, and you're talking about mostly kids from Western New York. It's but sure. there are kids from across the state. Uh, we do give some Canadian kids. 
But it, when I ask them what they're into, and because the Sabres have been awful, I get I get it. But they are way more into the NBA than they are into the NHL. Now, that would seem borderline sacrilegious in a town like Toronto or any place in Canada five, ten years ago. But could you see that gap I mean, do you think that and people would also think that's an absurd statement about American baseball at some point, and then the NFL passed it up? Sure. Could you see the NBA catching up to the NHL in in Canada? You know, that was one of the things that Tim Laiwiki, you know, the who who of course is you know well known for his work in Southern California and all those kind of things. But when he was president of Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, he felt that the Raptor brand and the, just the NBA brand in Toronto was was way underdeveloped, that there was so much more potential there for the Raptors to be close. And, and, and he, it was under him that they launched the whole, you know, we the North, you know, to kind of give the team sort of a, sort of a cool identity. And when Masai Ujiri came in, you know, he changed the culture and really turned it from the player's perspective of a place that people wanted to get out of to a place that people, that players wanted to, to be in. And, you know, I'll tell you, I, you know, my girlfriend has a 12-year-old son who is, all into sports. He's a pretty serious baseball player, loves sports, watches sports. He's going bonkers on the Raptors, and he did not. he's not watching the Stanley Cup playoffs, like at all. And I think he might have watched a little bit even of the Maple Leafs. So, you know, I see, I get to see sort of a glimpse of things through him. So when you talk about that experience with the kids that are, that are in Canisius College, you know, I'm seeing some of that here. And I know that that is one of the things that, that Tim Laiwiki kind of was part of the legacy that he left here when he thought of the potential of the NBA. And you guys see it in Toronto, right? Like where you've got, you know, R.J. Barrett at Duke who grew up in Mississauga, right? And you've got Jamal Murray, you know, with the Denver Nuggets who played in, who's from Kitchener. I mean, you know, again, and Andrew Wiggins is from my hometown. He's from Thornhill. I mean, when I was growing up as a kid, if you said the number one pick of the NBA draft would come from Thornhill, I mean, we couldn't even get a kid in college somewhere. <laughs> Never mind be the number one pick of the NBA draft. So I think it's on multiple levels, right? It's both from a fan base and that people are now looking at Toronto, you know, as a hotbed of the sport as well. So you start to project with the demographics of Toronto, the popularity and success of the Raptors, the numbers of basketball players that are being pumped out of this city. Is it outrageous to suggest that in 20 years, you know, basketball and the Raptors could be just as popular as the Maple Leafs and hockey. I don't think it is. The thing, though, Dave, is I guess that the NBA probably has no interest in putting teams in Edmonton, Calgary, Winnipeg. Uh, they already tried Vancouver. It didn't work. Uh, I mean, where else does it expand? Or does Toronto just then, are they the, uh, are they the, the beacon of, of basketball for the entire country? Well, I, I think that that's basically what it's been, you know. And, and it's funny. The, the other thing that's going to be interesting to watch over the next week or so, Tim, is is how much buy-in there is from the rest of the country. Because traditionally, you know, the Blue Jays have been, especially when they're winning, a Canadian team. I mean, whether you're in St. John's, Newfoundland, or Victoria, B.C., if you walk into a bar, you know, in August or September of a year when the Jays are doing well, they'll be they'll be on. But the Raptors' appeal has generally been you know, the greater Toronto area. I mean, it doesn't even expand elsewhere in, in Ontario. Their, their brand has never really become Canadian like the way the Blue Jays have. And, and maybe that is about to change as well. It's funny you mentioned Vancouver because I was talking to my colleague, Matt Sakaris, who hosts on TSN Radio in Vancouver. We were speaking off air this week, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about this. How in the world did, did the NBA not work in Vancouver? You know, with the amount of money that's there, you know, the, the Asian presence and how people from that part of the world gravitate to the NBA. I mean, I know the Canadian dollar was low, but 
I mean, you know, just economically, the economic might of a city like Vancouver and the affluence versus one like Memphis, which I actually know pretty well because my ex-wife is from there. I spent a lot of time in Memphis. It, it just, it seems, you know, stunning to me that it didn't work. And, you know, it, it, part of it had to do with the ownership and part of it had to do with the draft picks and different decisions that they made. And, and, but it, it is, it, when I look back at it now in the context of where the Raptors are right now, I think people in Vancouver have got to be just shaking their heads about how that didn't work because it is certainly not a city where, I mean, the cost of living there is outrageous. So ticket prices would not be out of line with, you know, other elements of the cost of living. As I say, it's another international city and one where, you know, there's, there's been some pretty good basketball players come out of as well. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, St. John's, Newfoundland. I was actually there uh, during hockey season, and they were, at the time, the Montreal Canadiens uh, affiliate in the American right. Hockey League. And this was, what, four years ago or so. And it was, I think, maybe two weeks into the baseball season. So I guess it's, you know, hockey season's winding mm. down. Yep. And there was not hockey. And I go into a Don Cherry's. Yep. I was going there, and I figure that's how I can have a, uh, a burger and watch the, the Canadians play. I was there to do a story on John Scott. He had just been called mm-hmm. up to the Canadians. Oh, yes. I remember this now, yeah. yeah. And there was not hockey on one television in the entire all bar. Jays. It was all Blue all Jays. Jays. And that was yeah. really where it hit home for me. I didn't realize it was like that. Well, um, it's funny because you know a lot of the rest of the country does not love all things Toronto, right? And, and that's where somehow the Blue Jays get a free pass. It's been like the Blue Jays are Canada's team. They're not Toronto's team, but the Raptors have always been Toronto's. We'll see if that changes. We're in conversation with TSN football insider Dave Naylor, so let's talk about some football. And, All right. Uh, let's tie in the bills here. I, I do want to talk to you about the, um, the CBA agreements yep. that were reached today uh, in the Canadian Football League. But uh, Duke Williams uh, is yep. now a member of the Bills, and uh, Bills fans are hoping that this is a diamond in the rough, a guy who... Uh, made some mistakes along the way, should be well on his way to an in, within his NFL path, but now the Bills are getting him out of the rummage bin and can maybe spruce him up. What, do you, what can you tell us about Duke Williams and the, the coverage uh, of him up there, what you've seen, because I think you've probably seen him uh, a lot more than Bills fans have. Well, one of the things that you look at when you look at players in the Canadian Football League is who are the best players in the CFL and then you also ask yourself a second question. Who are the best players in the, in the CFL who could translate to the NFL? Because it is a different game, and there's some different skill sets and some different body types. I mean, there are some spectacular CFL players that just wouldn't ever be NFL players because they've got the wrong body, they don't play the same physical style, whatever that is. When you looked at Duke Williams, you saw an NFL player. You know, you looked at the guy when you looked at his body, when you looked at how physical he could, how physically he could play, when you looked where he went up for those 50-50 balls. You know, he was a guy that you looked at and said, there's not only a good CFL player, but there's a guy who, trans- who could translate into the NFL. Now, he's not, he's not a total speed guy. You know, he, he doesn't, wouldn't have elite NFL speed, but he would have that physicality and that ability to battle defensive backs to go up for the football. And, you know, he... He played, just some context on it. He played on a team in the Edmonton Eskimos where, you know, the guy who's acknowledged as the best quarterback of the league was there in Mike Riley. So he got, you know, he was playing with a very good quarterback. He was playing on a team the last two years with two other receivers who are in the NFL now in Brandon Zilstra, who's with the Minnesota Vikings, and Bryant Mitchell, who is, he was recently released by Arizona, but he's now signed with Tampa Bay. We'll see whether or not he sticks. And, and the other receiver on that team was a guy named Darrell Walker, who was Johnny Manziel's, one of Johnny Manziel's favorite targets at Texas A&M, who is now with the Toronto Argonauts, and I think hands down is the best receiver in the league. So 
one of the things that helped Duke Williams was when he ran out to a spot, it wasn't like they could just double coverage him and shut him down. You know, he, he was on a team with a very good quarterback and I think, you know, the best receiving core in the league over the last couple of years. But, uh, but he was, he was very productive and, you know, a red zone guy. Again, the size, the ability, and especially on the big CFL field up here, you know, tough to keep track of in the end zone where you have 20 yard end zone. So he was, he was highly, highly productive, but really, really just for one season because he, he was here for two years. But his first year, he played 13 games. And because I, it sounds, you know, I'm hyping all this praise his way, but, you know, he had some trouble a little bit getting on the field. And he had a little bit of trouble, you know, getting balls thrown his way just because of how good the other receivers were around him. I'd say two of them have gone on to the NFL. Um, but, he, but last year was really his breakout year. I mean, he was the dominant receiver on that Eskimo team and, you know, among the very best receivers in the CFL. Dave, Mike Rodak here from ESPN. I think we actually met last year up uh, about a year ago at McMaster uh, when, as you mentioned, Johnny was up there. Oh, right. Okay, yes. yes. Yeah, for the for the Ticats. Mm-hmm. I recall. Johnny Manziel. You guys aren't just having a conversation well, I think between everybody, the two of you. Everybody Wait, knows John Manziel, Manziel, isn't he now? That's yeah, right. John? He did change his yeah. name. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he kind of sparked a thought on my end, and especially with the new CBA coming yep. in. Just the idea of having an American, I don't call him a superstar, but at least a renowned figure in American sports coming up there and got big coverage, obviously, like I was there mm-hmm. for, you know, an American mm-hmm. network. Is that, what effect did that have on the Canadian game? And is that something that do you think with that experience in hand that they would want to replicate or something that they would want to steer clear from uh, going forward? Well, the Johnny Mandel did give them a bounce. I mean, we actually just had a, an all-day seminar, you know, with TSN as, as the exclusive rights holder of the CFL, where we ran over a lot of ratings points, and there was there was absolutely, you know, a Johnny Mandel effect, you know, to to the games that he participated in. You know, the the, the problem, and, and and I think it, it, it sounds kind of strange, but the CFL players, the best CFL players, generally come from guys who haven't got an opportunity in the National Football League for whatever reason. You know, they had an injury in college. They were buried on a depth chart. It's very, very rare that you find a guy who was given a golden opportunity, blew it in the NFL, and then comes to Canada and rediscovers who, all his potential. It, it, it just it so rarely happens. And I remember writing about this Cameron a year ago. This is about the only well, guy I can think but, of, right? But, Cam- but Cameron Wake is more more the guy who flew flew below the radar, right? Like he was true. He was at Penn State. He went to the Giants. He got cut. BC found him in a free agent camp, you know, in in Maryland somewhere, right? Like that's so, right. Like the the more the guys I'm thinking of are you know the the guys who were first round picks and are busts and then come to the CFL. The list of the numbers yeah, that of those doesn't really that happen. It. it I, it, it doesn't, you know, like, like if you've got that much talent and you, and the NFL gives up on you, there's usually something flawed. I mean, like Aaron Maben came to the CFL. There's a name that'll resonate with you guys. Right. And, and the last, he was here like about four games. Um, there, there are just, there, it's, it's just really rare. So, I mean, the exception and, and we could debate how, you know, what his NFL career was before he came to Canada. It wasn't as bad as people remember it to be was Doug Flutie, right? Mm-hmm. First round pick, superstar college player, found his way out of the NFL, came here and lit it up and won eight most outstanding player awards. You know, which is crazy to think about. You know, the best the best CFL player I've ever seen. So, and then went back to the NFL and had a very nice career. 
very nice career, went to the Pro Bowl, and, and did a lot of the things his second time in the NFL that we'd seen him do in Canada, which was really kind of you know interesting for us as well. So, but I think there's always going to be the, the hunger for that big name you know, that, that, that's going to come up here and, and light it up uh, potentially, but there's always going to be that caution. I mean, I remember writing about Johnny Manziel a year ago saying, if he you know, really does light it up a year, if he does catch this game, he'll be the exception. You know, I, there are just so many guys that, like I say, if you're that talented and the NFL sees you as that good and you can't play down there anymore, there's usually something just flawed in you either on or off the field. So, you know, they, they, look, it's a great thing for the CFL that the alliance isn't around anymore because that was real competition for players that they were losing. We'll see about the XFL. I assume that's where John Manziel's next spot will be. But but the the CFL will always, I think, be willing to take a run at those kinds of players that, that do have name value and the idea that you can, it's just so tantalizing that you could unlock a guy like that and, and with his profile really drive interest. But unfortunately those guys tend to be so far the exception. Johnny Manziel was really far more the rule than he was the exception with his experience here in the CFL. In conversation with TSN football insider, Dave Naylor, and it's, I'm grateful that he's able to join us today. It's been a busy day. Uh, and with uh, just want to touch on it here before we let you go, Dave. Mm. Uh, it's been uh, in the news here on uh, when it comes to the National Football League the last couple of days yep. with uh, NFLPA Executive Director Demora Smith telling players to gear yeah. up for a possible year-long work stoppage. Mm-hmm. Uh, the CFL was having some issues uh, and seemed to settle it uh, towards a new collective bargaining agreement, and it involves us ugly Americans. Uh, what uh, can you just give a, 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 a synopsis, or is it too difficult to explain in a in a thumbnail? Well, I'll, I'll talk about the one part that might actually apply to Americans uh, in an interesting way here, um, because it, you're right. This is there's a lot of complications, and for people who aren't familiar with the way the CFL works, it, you know, I could get lost in the conversation. But here's the one interesting part. In basic, there is a a ratio of Americans to Cana- uh, to uh, Canadians to non Canadians that are allowed right. to be on the field. Right, you have to right a minimum number of Canadians on the roster, twenty one, and a minimum on the field at any one time. You know, offense and defense of seven. So they've had a very controversial provision that. If a Canadian starter gets hurt, you can replace him with an American, which has raised... Now, this rule is not going to come in until next year. That has raised a lot of eyebrows because, as you would imagine, because there's so many more Americans than there are Canadians in terms of football, a lot of the backup Americans are better than starting Canadians. So you can imagine what that would do, right? Potentially, if you have a guy who's a... Fake injuries, absolutely. And so that... Now, this rule doesn't come in until 2020, but I... I have not got a clear answer from anybody about how that is going to be policed. The other one, and this, this would speak potentially to any you know, high school football players who are listening out there. This is an interesting provision. As I say, it, you have to have a certain number of Canadians on the field. And Canadians, because of that, enjoy pretty good job security in the CFL. If you're a good Canadian football player, you can pretty easily have a 10 or 12 or 15-year career because you know, the competition for your job isn't as great as it is for, for the American spots. But if an Ameri- under the new CBA, if an American kid goes to a Canadian university to play football and graduates from that school, he will be designated in the CFL as a Canadian. So, for example, a kid in Western New York who's, say, you know, a Division I AA or Division II talent, he's not a, he's not a Division I guy, he's, but he's a pretty good football player, if he decides, you know what, I'm going to go play at University of Western Ontario or Wilfrid Laurier or Guelph, 
if he does that and has a great college career, gets his education, he would enter the CFL draft as a Canadian and would be designated a Canadian for his entire career within the CFL. So that's a really significant provision, you know, for that, that's gone into this. And it would, it's part of what the CFL wants to do. They want to attract players from Europe. They want to attract players from Mexico. They want to attract players from around the world. And so one of the ways they want to do it is to get kids to come to Canada to play university football in Canada, get their designation as Canadians, which then gives them much better opportunities in the CFL. So I don't know whether it means in, you know, southwestern Ontario, are the coaches down there going to be going down and recruiting in western New York? Because they, one of the things they can say to kids now is, hey, you come here and play in my program for three or four years and graduate you got a pretty good shot of playing in the Canadian Football League and, and having a, a decent career there. So, and the second part is you're not locked into that. You can still play in the NFL. Absolutely. Or you, you got to go play in the CFL for a little bit and get some professional experience and go to the NFL. You don't, you're don't. you not locked in. Not locked in at all. Listen no, to Dave Naylor with the PSA to Western New York high school football players. Absolutely. You, you're not locked in. You got In the new CBA, there's an NFL window every year. Every year of your contract, you would have, I believe it's from – uh, the 1st of January to the 15th of February to sign an NFL deal, any player. So, yeah, it's, it's like for, for American kids who are, you know, may have entertained that idea of playing in Canada or wondered what it would took to the CFL, this, this provision really opens up a path for them. And I'm, I'm interested to see whether the – funny, the University Coaches Association is having a summit this weekend in Toronto just by coincidence. I was talking to a coach yesterday for, about this, and he said, this is going to be the hot topic <laughs> when they get together in Toronto this weekend about, you know, how, how aggressively, you know, um, they're going to be able to use this as a recruiting tool. Fascinating. Well, I'm glad I asked that question, Dave. Thanks for uh, uh, enlightening us on that. I think there are probably a lot of kids that are perked up. I don't know. But generally, you've probably picked your college by now, right? Yeah, but, I mean, in most schools, I mean, your your school year should be over. If we weren't in New York right. State, your school year's over. Oh, we yeah. still have another month to go, which is absurd. But, uh, hey, you might have some football players that are uh, saying, wait, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> You're going into your senior year next fall or in high school or something. It, it definitely opens up you know, a lot of possibilities for players that, uh, that didn't exist. And uh, it, it's going to, I think, you know, change the composition of the CFL. TSN football insider Dave Naylor. Follow him for all your CFL needs. And he also does some NFL stuff, too. He's uh, don't, uh, don't just pigeonhole the guy. At TSN Dave Naylor, N-A-Y-L-O-R. Uh, Dave, I felt the old chemistry. That was awesome, man. All right. Thanks for coming on. I know it's a busy day, and uh, let's talk again soon. I, I'd love to do it. It was really fun. Have a great show, guys. Take All care. right. TSN's Dave Naylor. When we come back, Turner Sports Senior Vice President of Programming and General Manager of NBA Digital, Scooter Vertino is going to join us to talk about Golden State at Toronto starting tomorrow. At least four games will be played. As many as seven. Groundbreaking. When we come back on the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. This is Sports Radio 1270, The Fan.
the line with uh, French Connection. Thoreau, French Connection. I played with against them. The Tim Graham Show. Now on Sports Radio 1270. The Fan. Tune in radio and sportsradio1270.com. And on the Fan's app. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show here, Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. Big thanks to Dave Naylor of TSN, football out, uh, football outsider, <laughs> football insider, but people's. definitely not a basketball outsider. Gave us some great insight on what's going on with the Toronto Raptors and really what's going on with the with the country when it comes to basketball and how it's growing so much. Uh, it's really uh, the foothold is undeniable and i do think that hockey could be in trouble it's almost like one look but but in buffalo it's the same way people are proud of what they have and that other people don't even if it's less than you know the niche aspect of it like hey but this is our thing yeah we uh, there are so many people in western new york who will insist that the nhl is way better and uh, and more special Mm -hmm. than anything the nba can offer because they don't have the nba anymore and i'm sure it would be the exact opposite if the Braves had stayed and the and the uh, Sabres had left. Your tweet, though, was it today or yesterday about your three out of your top four stories at the Athletic being? Yeah, well, NHL. that's a, that's a bit of it's a different it's a different conversation because Bills that, versus Sabres. Yeah, three of the top four stories in terms of subscriptions generated or traffic viewed uh, or uh, clicks uh, are hockey stories, and um, but that's because hockey fans don't get their news it's not ubiquitous like it is with the nfl you can't just flip on a a channel five four three different channels at any given time and get your nhl news like you can with the nfl so when you do something quality they they devour it whereas you do something nfl related and it's just it just gets absorbed into the the pool of of things that have been written what about this wallet hub study this week how about if i bring in scooter vertino mike oh that's right why don't you why don't you quit asking me questions that derail me what the hell is wallet hub both of you quiet we have have a special guest here mike rodak poo-pooing scooter vertino i'm poo-pooing i'm saying i'm sure scooter would love to listen to the show he does listen to the show wants to be part of it mike Scooter Vertino is the Senior Vice President of Programming and the GM at NBA Digital. What does that mean? It means he'll never hire Mike Rodak. (laughs) (laughs) He oversees NBA TV, NBA.com. He's uh, in charge of programming and scheduling at Turner Sports, which means he's in charge of NBA on TNT, Major League Baseball on TBS, the NCAA Basketball Tournament, PGA Championship, although that deal just ended. The Alliance of American Football, although every time I ask him about it, he says he doesn't know anything about it. Scooter Vertino joining the Tim Graham Show here on Sports Radio 1270. The Fan Scoots. Long time, first time. How you doing? I'm doing great. Just don't hang up and listen. Please don't. <laughs> Were you enjoying no. Mike Rodak's uh, tangential questions, even though the red light is on and it's a very everybody small knew that you're gonna that you're about to be on? I, I'm, I'm usually Mike is extremely compelling radio, so he, <laughs> he kind of sucked me in a little bit there. So we we had gotten once he got past you know the Bills' top four receivers, and we had moved on to Duke <laughs> Williams. I was circling back around, and I was actually trying to see if there was either going to be an update on Cole Beasley's oblique core muscle or had Jeff Skinner resigned. 
No, no news on either subject. Uh, Scooter Vertino, and you may wonder, why is the uh, Senior Vice President of Programming of Turner Sports on a Buffalo radio station? Uh, he's been a longtime uh, friend of mine. Well, I guess I shouldn't say longtime. That, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but I don't know, going on 10 years or so, 8, 9, 10 years. Uh, diehard Buffalo Bills fan. He does have roots in the area with from his family. And that uh, is the unfortunate curse, that the burden that he's carried with him <laughs> is that he absorbed the Buffalo Bills into his blood, and uh, they were good for a period, and now he uh, he has to endure. Uh, that 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 is all true. Uh, I would say for a large period, before they were good, they were not good. Uh, and uh, and it looks like they may be looking to climb the mountain again. Um but, uh, yes, this is the time of year when hope does uh, spring eternal with regard to OTAs. What do you think of your Bills? Let's, let's get into it a little bit before we talk about the Raptors and the Warriors. Uh, you're one of the most voracious consumers of Bills content I know. Uh, so I know you're processing all of it. What is your general feel about 2019? Oftentimes, and let's throw in with what's. Let's also throw in what's happening with the Jets and the Dolphins. Okay, well, I, I know that sometimes fans, and I, I'm one of them, will find pleasure in another team's downfall, let's say, or something. I, I don't really fall into that, if you will. I, I'm, I'm more. Tell me about my team. I don't even. I also know there's a large contingent of Buffalo Bills fans that despise the Patriots. I'm not a Patriots fan, but they're on such a different level that I don't even kind of look at them as, as that hated rival um, that maybe the Dolphins or the Jets could be at this point. As far as their offseason, the Bills offseason, um, it, it, it seems like Brandon Bean had a list. He checked it twice. There were holes that had to be filled. He went out and filled the holes. I will often complain about moves or in-game clock management or whatever the case may cuts at the end of uh, preseason. Uh, Jonathan Williams, where art thou? But I, I don't really have much to complain about with the game plan that these guys are executing against right now. And I know that you know no one's been hit yet and some guys are banged up. And I saw the tweets today about how great Rob Johnson used to look in practice and how great J.P. Lossman used to look in practice, and that's fine. Um, but I do think that... There's hope. Um, there may be a reason for hope. Uh, I, I, you know, look, I, I fell hard and fast for Sammy Watkins as, as much as the next guy probably did at that time. Um, and, you know, that was one way of trying to build a winner. And it's, it's certainly interesting to see that the regime that currently is in charge thinks there's a different way to build a winner. And, um, you know, I'm in. I'm all in. How in are you on this matchup, Toronto versus Golden State? And uh, I guess I'm allowed to ask you this question. I can ask you anything I want. You don't have to answer. Certainly. But what is the general sense on this as a ratings generator? Uh, Toronto is not a metered market uh, for Nielsen. Right. How right. does that impact sure. things? Uh, it, it can be a challenge um, because it doesn't impact. So Toronto is a city of approximately 3 million people. And, um, you know, when you don't get that, that particular bounce, it could be worth up to, you know, like four tenths of a, uh, a rating point 
and by that I mean um, when you see ratings and something's like at a five, it could be a five four or six. It's just, like, it, it, it just it, you get a bounce from the home cities when you calculate the ratings. So the Bay Area is going to be the number one rating, number one num- number one metered market area rated during the finals, and to not have the second market be uh, in the continental United States can be difficult. That being said, the Warriors are such an international brand at this point, and in their fifth straight finals, um, they may make up for a lot of that. And the ascent of Kawhi Leonard may make up for a lot of that. Um, because as no-nonsense as Kawhi is, um, and he obviously isn't doing you know commercials, and, and he's not really promoting his brand, if you will, as I make the air quotes, uh, in spite of his New Balance deal, he uh, he is an incredibly talented player who has risen to the occasion and has given his best when his best is needed. And you guys all know this. You've seen various sports, football, hockey, baseball, bat, whatever it is, where that doesn't always happen. And and this guy is on another level right now. And with Kevin Durant's absence, I think he kind of fills that hole as the other star, if you will to be on the marquee uh, with Steph Curry. We're in conversation with Scooter Vertino, uh, senior. Vi- Let me say that again. I think I gave you a tilde over your end there for a second. I turned <laughs> you into uh, you were a Spaniard there for a sec. Scooter Vertino, senior vice president of programming, and he's the GM of NBA Digital. Now the broadcast of the NBA Finals uh, will be on ABC, uh, but Turner uh, also has, or at least uh, – Scooter uh, oversees NBA TV, which will be having the 90-minute pregame shows and the uh, the comprehensive postgame coverage that you've come to know and love on uh, NBA on TNT, and that's the usual menagerie of Charles Barkley, Shaquille O'Neal, Kenny Smith, and the other guys like Kevin McHale and Chris Webber. And uh, you know what? Uh, of all the things that I could give you a title for, I think that the Wrangler of that show, you're the the NBA on TNT Wrangler. Um, Probably is the most prominent, and uh, you know you hate to say it, but it's a, it's a phrase that we use when we talk about how things are prominent in someone's life. Probably going to be uh, in the first or second sentence of your obituary, Scooter. Uh, what is that like to have all those big personalities, and you can let them go, and that's probably the beauty of it uh, because of their chemistry, and yet you're still in charge of overseeing them. What, what's how's that job? Well. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, first of all, I have to make sure I put pen to paper for the first line of my obit and make sure I store that away. Uh, right next to Tim Graham I, show I, guest. <laughs> Long to, yeah. Look, Albert, uh, the, parentheses, the, scooter, and parentheses, Vertino. <laughs> Uh, NBA on TNT, Wrangler, and longtime listener of the Tim Graham show. <laughs> That's it. That is a resume filler. Um, Look, I, those, those guys, Tim, you hit it right on the head. It's chemistry, right? And you guys experience that um, on your show, right? Like, it, it, it's you guys get along well. Um, I, I would assume you get along well off the air. Um, I've seen you guys interact, um, you know, when we were on the road that time and uh, before the playoff game. I know that guys have a good time, and that translates to TV. And in reality, look, these guys, they, they enjoy what they do, um, Charles, I think everyone kind of takes their cue from Charles, right? And, and um, 
it's kind of like a, a, a sports franchise. When your best player is your hardest worker, that, that sets the tone for everybody else, right? So when Charles, who is our you know, face of the franchise, has the most fun on the air, you understand what it's all about at that point. He does not care if he's the butt of the joke. He doesn't care if you make fun of him. He doesn't care if he makes a mistake. He's okay with laughing at himself. And that type of thing humanizes these guys that are larger than life, uh, literally and figuratively, right? And, and makes people want to watch and hear what else they're going to say. Um, hey, you know, I, I mispronounced uh, Kupo last week. He's just like I am, you know, like that, that type of thing. And, and I think that kind of helps us um, achieve those goals of, like, bringing in the casual fan. Um, the other guys... Um, you know, everyone from the other inside cast members with, with Shaq and Kenny uh, to, to Smitty and Grant and, uh, and Isaiah and Kevin McHale, um, they all have their distinct styles and ways of doing things. Um, but they also, you can tell, they all get a little gleam in their eye when they work with Charles because they know there might be a little bit of mischief that they're not typically, you know, going to come up with on, on their own, but they're happy to go along for the ride. As far as, you know, where the guys go when they're on the air, we have a policy of not telling our analysts what to say. Um, and I'm not saying that anybody else actually does do that. I'm just saying where, where we are, you know, our guys um, have been on the air long enough, and they played long enough at the highest levels. Uh, many are in the Hall of Fame. Many have rings. Many have multiple rings, MVPs, all of those accolades. What am I going to tell them? You know, like, I, hey, what about the, 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 uh, the Warriors ran hammer off of uh, misdirection there? What do you think? Yes, I know. I've seen it 30,000 times on tape. I figured that out myself, genius. You know, like, so there, there are certain things that, you know, you, you, you give them their space and, and let them analyze as they will. Some guys are more technical, and some guys are going to be uh, a little bit more casual and put it in layman's terms, which is fine, too, because as the – um, playoffs progress, especially into the finals, your audience is going to grow and you're going to get the more casual fan that may not know what a UCLA cut is. Not everyone is going to have the hoops knowledge of a Jonah Bronstein, if you will. That's a fact. That's a <laughs> Especially G- in this room. That's a GD fact. Yeah, I, Jonah <laughs> carries us when it comes to NBA, and I, you, uh, you and I have uh, discussed that. Um, I, uh, I, I meekly try to step back uh, before I embarrass myself too much, which generally... Uh, that He's makes one late. of us. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, Scooter, uh, are you allowed to handicap this series, uh, or is that considered unethical of somebody of your uh, import uh, to uh, to say uh, what you think may happen? Uh, I mean, you want to go? You want it I, seven I, games for financial reasons? Yeah, you always want a long series. No question uh, in our business is is. You, you would prefer to have close games, many games, and great storylines. So um, I know you guys were talking earlier about, you know, Kevin Durant's health and, and would he be available and when he might be available. Um, you know, if he were to come back game three or four or whatever, and I'm not saying I have any, any inside information, but if he were to do that, then, okay, that also that gives you a little bit of a, um, a bump, perhaps, with, with people that are more interested now. Uh, if Steph Curry, uh, you know, goes off for – 35 and 42 in the first two games and you know he may be on the verge of winning his first finals mvp okay that's a big deal um you know if if you know somebody comes out uh and becomes the uh, uh, pascal siakam 
uh, all of a sudden becomes the second or third best player on the floor, that might be something that people latch onto. So th- there are things that kind of build as as the series go. And and look, I think we're all guilty of recency bias when it comes to sports in some form or fashion. Seven game series, there's nothing like it. Like the knee jerk reaction the next day about, oh, it's over. How are they ever going to come back from this? So that kind of helps too because people are so wrapped up in it. And and sometimes in professional sports, at least when you're playing a series, there's not a ton of carryover unless someone gets hurt. Um, you know, coaches adjust, scouts adjust. There's there's all kinds of film study, and and each game can be its own episode. So I'm not I'm not necessarily handicapping. I know that you guys kind of went over uh, earlier, like you know who may be the favorite and everything like that. Uh, I know there's a lot of discussion about are the Warriors quote unquote better without Kevin Durant. Um, and and does this bode uh, well for his future? And and will he leave because of it, or are there other things in play? Um, and I would just say that I, I think that they are entirely different without Kevin Durant. Um, I think if you take the first or second best player in the world off a team, I can't necessarily say they're better, but they certainly play a different style without him. And you mentioned wanting more games. I know that's within the context of a playoff series or the finals or not actually not the finals in this case at ESPN, but you know, the Western conference finals. Yeah. And I'll have yeah. the same disclaimer that Tim had on his uh, question that, you know, I don't know what you can say as far as an official position, but there has been a lot of talk about shortening the NBA season. I think Adam Silver um, mentioned it or talked about it last week, how maybe you can have the same um, length of the season, but figure out ways to kind of keep people engaged, especially if some of the stars are sitting from a TV perspective, do you want more games? Do you want the same number of games? Is a shortened season still palatable if there's more star power on a, on a night-to-night basis? What's kind of your position or, or, or vibe from that entire discussion? Yeah, you know, I, I did hear that, and I saw, I read some of the comments. Um, you know, we, we have been in business with the NBA as a partner for 35 years, so obviously we are, you know, um, collaborative with them on a number of different things um i i think that the the product is fantastic um obviously adam silver has come up with you know many a great idea when it comes to uh promoting the league and and in ways that it can become you know even more relevant in different windows and things of that nature so um you know i'll steal one of his lines and that you know i'm sure we're always willing to listen um it would just make sense to talk about ways to improve whether or not uh, anything comes of it, it's always to be determined, but, you know, it's something that um, should always kind of, you know, get together and figure out because um, the only constant in this life we have is change. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll you know, I, I'm sure these are things that are all um, probably taken care of at a uh, pay scale higher than mine, <laughs> uh, but uh, it, it'll be interesting to see, to see what does come of it. Um, you know, we, you know, there are certain rules in place with regards to national televised games, who can sit and who can't. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people latch on to the games played for Kawhi Leonard this year. Right. But if you look at other teams, um, you know, I think Steph Curry missed two games this year. I mean, for load management. So there, it's, not as, it, it's not as widespread, I think. I think you may have seen it a couple times with other players. LeBron, you know, whenever LeBron does anything, it becomes a headline. Um, so it's just, I, I think it's because it was a new phenomenon this year. Uh, not sitting players due to injury, but 
load management. I'd never heard of it prior to this season, but it certainly did kind of catch fire. And it's, it's you know, um, the league has always been great about talking to their partners engaging uh our feelings on things so um you know i i'm sure we'll, we'll i'm sure they'll come to us or we'll go to them or there'll be some type of collaborative effort to to talk about things but i don't foresee anything drastically happening anytime soon but again that that is probably above my pay grade scooter regarding storylines in the last few years it's really exploded the off the course stuff free agency what players are liking, what Instagram posts, and a lot more personality-driven right. stuff. How has that changed the way your network as a partner with the league covers the league? And do you think it's something that – is that driven by the media, or do you think the media is reacting to what the audience wants to hear? I think, uh, to go backwards with your question, I think the media is reacting to the audience, and I think that, that social media um, became uh, – kind of exploded – the year that LeBron decided to make his decision to go to Miami, the following year was um, a lockout. And you guys may or may not remember, but the, the agreement in principle to save the season was broken on Twitter. So that, that things have kind of, you know, mushroom clouded from there. I don't know if mushroom clouded is a verb, but you understand my point. And um, I think because of that, and to your point about who likes what on Instagram and those things, um, it's become a much bigger deal in the offseason. I think before LeBron made his decision to leave Cleveland to go to Miami, the league may not have been a year-round phenomenon. I think now it's probably 11 months and three quarters taken up with you know NBA talk. Maybe some downtime in August, maybe a little bit in September. But you know you are you are pretty much um, uh, attached to your phone. Um, like so many of us in sports media these days, and, and a lot of it because so much of that information is being broken socially. Um, and it's something where, you know, come June 30th, uh, you know, we're going to get on, you know, I think the, they just moved the um, negotiating period to 6 on June 30th, 6 p.m. It moved from midnight on the 1st. So you know, that's something where, you know, we're on from probably 4 in the afternoon till midnight come back on at 7 a.m take that until 7 p.m because the summer league game starts at 7 you know like there's more around the clock coverage and you just have to be um you have to be on your toes uh, you know we used to not have updates when i first started the nba tv we didn't have hourly updates and now in the afternoon you know there's a staff for that um you know for a while we had people that were on call no 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 now you're you're in um you know there were i, I remember uh, july 4th one year where Steve Nash was traded to the um, to the Lakers and having to scramble to get people in. Um, so you know the way things have changed is yeah we're we're on you're, you're basically on all the time um, and that's a necessary evil and it's a great it's a great problem to have because it means people are interested in your sport. We're in conversation with senior vice president of programming at Turner Sports, uh, Scooter Vertino, and uh, I mentioned that you're also the general manager of NBA Digital. Uh, which is NBA.com. What are your thoughts on how the legalization of sports gambling might affect that arena in terms of what the NBA has an appetite to do as far as gambling, how it might affect the website, um, 
where it goes, uh, or even how you handle it on NBA TV or analysis on NBA on TNT, even uh, as we see now shows on ESPN dedicated to sports gambling. Back when I worked at ESPN, I was forbidden. All of us writers were from forbidden from so far as mentioning a point spread. Uh, now it's everywhere. How do you see it being uh, uh, presented on, on the different platforms that you're involved with? Well, I think our cue there from the league because we are representing the league. So, you know, when, when they feel as though it's time to kind of uh, have a great reveal, if you will, I think that's probably when we would take our cue and, and work hand in hand with them on, on ways to present the information. Like the league, the league does have uh, partnerships with, you know, MGM and, and places like that, but there's no, it doesn't necessarily make its way onto our app or our homepage currently or NBA TV either. We haven't, we haven't gone that far. I, I will say this. I mean, it's, it's certainly the next frontier and, and Adam has been upfront about it. Um, after he, you know, a couple of years ago wrote the, uh, uh, it was an op-ed in the uh, New York times, the wall street journal kind of saying, Hey, New York times, time right. Shun, yeah. Kind of time to shine a light on this. And, Fully and, embracing it. And, yeah, he was out, the Neil. first commissioner yeah, he... to kind of every other commissioner wants it. They just couldn't say it. Uh, in fact, right. I remember it was maybe less than a month later. I was invited by the Associated Press sports editors. Uh, there was a group of us, and every year they tour the commissioners. They go to New York City, and we have an audience with Bettman and uh, Silver and Manfred and Goodell and uh, the Francis for NASCAR. Uh, Major League Soccer was involved the year that I went. Uh, the NCAA, and I wanted to ask them all about it. And Silver was the only one who didn't, you know, consider me um, a borderline criminal for for daring to broach the subject in their boardroom. Uh, Bettman was, and now Bettman's talking about how much they love it. You see the ads on their dasher boards during the uh, during the playoffs. Right, right. So. And the reason I ask you yeah, is I'm not trying to put you on the spot yeah. here, but I guess I'm asking more from a journalist. You know, you, you're more in the journalism realm right. as a producer, as somebody who's a storyteller, bringing broadcast. But the gambling aspect of it, as it as it um, infiltrates, sounds sinister. But as it gets incorporated into uh, media, uh, you know, that's an uh, sports betting is uh, at its root accounting. You know, it's numbers, it's banking, it's not, mm-hmm. and people view it as something that you do with your gut, but anybody who's good at it or the house side of it or the league side of it is looking at it from a purely uh, statistical standpoint. Um, and anyways, um, it's I just find it fascinating as to how it's going to be navigated, because it shouldn't be navigated by journalists, or at least I know I wouldn't be comfortable with it. Yeah, I don't think that's something that we would necessarily put on our people for that. I think that would be... You know, you would probably, hypothetically speaking, get information straight from the horse's mouth. I don't think it would be something where we would, you know, necessarily have people opining about it. Um, you may have seen um, during pre and or post during the uh, Eastern Conference Finals, we had a studio, Bleacher Report had a studio out of Caesars in Las Vegas, um, and we had two hosts out there kind of breaking down the numbers for the next night's game, whether it was, you know, the, the next night in the uh, next game in the Eastern Conference Finals or uh, the Western Finals or looking at the NBA Finals. So that was kind of kind of us 
stepping across the bridge right there. So, and I say us, I mean Turner Sports. So, I think that was the beginning of it. Um, and so we'll, we'll kind of see where we go from there. Um, you know, with, with Charles on the set, people are always talking about gambling, and by people, I mean Charles. Um, <laughs> so, so, so that 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 I don't think. I mean, that was there before Adam, and now that's there now when when the NBA is is on board. So. Um, I, I, you're not going to have to I, hire I another I, analyst. You're just going to have Charles talk about it more. Sure. And I, I don't know if he'll talk about it in an educated fashion or just, you know, where he wants to talk about how he guarantees that someone's going to win. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I, the only thing I would say, the only thing I would just say is more to come. I just don't know exactly, you know, what that next step is as we kind of navigate. All right. Scooter Vertino, senior vice president of programming and the general manager of NBA digital at Turner Sports. Let me just give the rundown again. He's in charge of NBA TV, NBA.com. He's in charge of programming and scheduling of NBA on TNT, MLB on TBS, the NCAA basketball tournament when it's on all those networks. Alliance of American Football. We didn't get into that on purpose. All Elite (laughs) Wrestling. That's coming to Turner Sports. All Elite Wrestling. That's right. Do you have anything to do with that, Scoots? Uh, unfortunately, uh, as a big fan, I do not. That that is uh, that's not under my umbrella. That's I do appreciate the way you make it sound as though I'm, I'm you know, like behind the desk scheduling every one of these things by myself. You have shown me though the the, the cheat sheet for the N- the NCAA tournament. And what's on, and it's you need binoculars to look at it. Jeez. It's it's <laughs> to get it all on one page. It's such small print. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's been fun to have you on the show. Uh, I've wanted to do it for a long time, and it was uh, good timing with the uh, with the big tournament starting tomorrow night. Uh, good luck with uh, good luck with the broadcast on all your platforms. Oh, and let me say again, although the series is on ABC, make sure you check out NBA TV ninety minutes before each tip off for uh, pregame uh, festivities and postgame analysis from the usual crew that you've come to know and love uh, on TNT and NBA TV. Uh, Scooter Vertino is in charge of it all. Thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. All right. Scooter Vertino. Wait, what is it with our basketball guests? And right at the very end, we I don't know. Jack Armstrong poisoned us. Yeah, I don't know. Didn't, uh, when we had... Uh, Probably the tornadoes. Beeline on. Playing didn't, them too didn't many minutes. Too? We, played, we played Scooter too many minutes. Load management. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, jury duty. We're going to find Never out later it. today during this show whether or not I have jury duty tomorrow. It's the big drama as to whether or not I can make it out to One Bill's Drive for some uh, things that I have scheduled. Uh, I, can I bring people some news tomorrow? It all depends on Erie County and whether or not my number gets picked. We should well, decide on the air, guilty or not guilty, without even knowing the case. <laughs> okay. Go in there yeah. with a game plan. Can you come to Elmo's tonight? Does the decision about jury duty factor into that probably because i have to be up and they're early i mean who's gonna like well, if you go in there wasted they will not pick you for jury right duty, so they'll so. kick you out Point. isn't that like but then preferred? that could also be something well first Were off they they're gonna, yeah there would be how'd you get here uh, i drove here? uh yeah i mean i don't know if that's illegal driving drunk no no no. i'm saying like <laughs> if part of it if you say i drove here and you're drunk i don't think that's enough evidence to Sure it is. I don't. I don't Confession. know. Absolutely. I think yeah, they, they would. would need, absolutely they'd figure something out. They'd figure something out. And I think there are rules. We'll have to look it up. I mean, you see, you, you read the stories every now and then of a guy being arrested for being drunk in court. I think they have to catch you in the act. 
No, I get what you're saying, Mike. It, it can't be circumstantial, but you can. They would form. They would figure something out, like something you did. Well, in then the they'd, court, re- in they'd sit to. in the tank while they figured it out, right? right. Or they'd fi- they'd look at a camera or something. They there's no way they would let that. Eh, I don't know. Maybe they like your athletic story. What are you gonna do? <laughs> All right. When we come back, we'll uh, we'll get into jury duty. <laughs> Maybe a special guest. And uh, more Bills talk. Stanley Cup talk. NBA Finals talk. Do we want to talk about Tim Tebow? Does anybody even care about that? <laughs> no. I mean, that's one of my least favorite storylines is famous guy passing through town. You must see. If I wanted to read about Tim Tebow, I would have done it a month ago. Sometimes it's interesting, but I think the Tim Tebow story has been played out for a few years now. I like the Tim T. I like that he's playing baseball. I want him to succeed. He's not succeeding. Stay with us through the break. Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio, 1270 The Fan. At 270, 1270. Here we go. The Tim Graham Show. Uh oh. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. I am Tim Graham of The Athletic, here with my co-host, Mike Rodak of ESPN.com, Jonah Bronstein from Bronstein Amalgamated, for all your kosher needs, Bobby Rosati diddling the knobs, as he's wont to do. We're hoping to be joined before we go off the air by Golden State Warriors power forward Jonas Jerebko. A lot of people don't realize this, but Jonas Jerebko has Western New York ties, and not just like we're forcing it. Like, eh, I don't know, that's a stretch. Jonas Jerebko signed to play at the University of Buffalo back when Reggie Witherspoon was the coach, but decided to go play his pro ball in Sweden where he was born. And the reason he was born there is because his father played pro ball in Sweden. But his father, Chris Jerebko, played at St. Francis, went on to play for Jim Beheim at Syracuse before starting his pro career. This was back when, uh, 77 to 81, roughly. Syracuse had some great teams back then under Jim Beheim. Uh, his uncle, his dad's brother, Peter Jerebko, was a star at Depew went on to play at LeMoyne for John Beeline. Peter Jerebko is now the athletics director at ECC. So the family is from here. He just happened to be born and raised in Sweden because his father went and played pro ball there. Uh, He spent a lot of time here in Buffalo. A lot of summer visits. Yeah, comes back during the uh, downtime, and his family's all here. And uh, so it's probably – well, it's got to be exciting for them to have their – their family member, their son, well, not their son, he's playing in Sweden. Let me rephrase it. Have their nephew, their cousin, playing in the NBA Finals right across the border. I wonder how much money he's got to fork over for tickets. (laughs) But how about this? Jonas Jarebko, he's been in the uh, NBA for, what, 11 seasons? Mm -hmm. I think it was in 2009. And he was cut by the Utah Jazz. Golden State Warriors snagged him. 
this past offseason. A veteran deal in the NBA, one year, $2.1 million. That's the league minimum for somebody of his uh, experience. So he can afford a couple of tickets. And it's Canadian prices. There's a belief around the UB program, people that were around at that time, he really would have changed a lot of things. You know, he oh, was exactly he what they came. needed at that time. I think that was around 05, 06. He's they 6'10", too, which in the Mid-American Conference is, would be a dominant sure. and he's size. A, he's a shooter. He's a skilled big man, which would have fit perfectly in Reggie Witherspoon's offense that they probably would have, depending on how many years he played, won the MAC in that time, and wow. that could have changed a lot of the fortunes and the future of Reggie yeah, that, Witherspoon in that program. And the outlook of it, right? Wow. He was a second-round pick, ninth over, well, he was the 39th overall pick in 2009 uh, of the Detroit Pistons, made the all-rookie team, and then had an Achilles injury that wiped out his 2010-2011 season, and really, uh, I think, is he, he started 73 games as a rookie, uh, but has started only maybe 40 games, 40, I guess 46 games uh, since then, playing for Detroit, the Boston Celtics, for three seasons, the Utah Jazz in 17-18, and then uh, this season with the Golden State Warriors and could be on the verge of winning his first NBA title. So hopefully, uh, Jonas, uh, the, today's media day up in Toronto. Uh, we've been in contact uh, uh, with uh, the people who can make this happen. We're hoping that he calls in. Uh, so I'm up for jury duty. I'm on call all week. This is how the Erie County system works. I had to start checking on Friday at 6 o'clock to see that if I would be picked on Tuesday because Memorial Day, there's no court. Oh, people's court. No juries. Judge Wapner did not have yeah. to preside over a jury. He was the judge, the jury, and the executioner. Yeah. And Rusty the bailiff, of course, and Doug Llewellyn, <laughs> who's still on the people's court. Doug Llewellyn's got to be 107. What does he do? He's the sideline reporter. Oh, okay. I Doug was going to say, yeah, he, he's the only crusty-looking one. Mm-hmm. You guys watched this? Dude. Used to. It was a great show. Oh, my it was, God. It was pioneering. Yeah, they're fantastic. Steve Wilkos, too. That's a good one. Same I don't channel. watch that. Yeah, me either. He was the bailiff? <laughs> Rusty the bailiff. He's dead. Oh, Wilkos was on the Jerry Springer Yeah, show. he was the He was okay. the, he uh, was the bouncer. bouncer. Yeah. So, anywho. I think. I'm up for jury duty. I have to, I have to check in at 6 o'clock. So, Tonight? Yes. Oh. So we'll stay. You want to run the show a little late? Yeah. See if yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll find out on air if well, I absolutely. got jury duty. It'll be fun. I think I'm okay. Don't you have? Is, wasn't your dad a policeman? Yes. So you're good. in the city of Cleveland. I don't uh, know what that. What matters. does that have to do with anything? <laughs> no, to, for jury duty, they'll throw you right out. I know. Plenty well, of you, but I think you need to be interviewed first. Absolutely. Yeah, they'll I'm toss, not saying they'll just. Toss me. Yeah, absolutely. Go in there and just say, yeah, I, I, my dad was a policeman, and I, I only like cops. They'll throw you right out. Well, it depends on what kind of trial it is. What, what if it do? has nothing to do with police? Yeah, I mean, that's true. Damn it. Obviously, a trial generally has to do with law enforcement. Somebody had to do the investigation to bring the charges, but... Yeah, just say you love police or you hate them. No, don't do that. We'll find out. I've never had jury duty. You're blocked by the Buffalo Police Department on Twitter. No. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, that'll maybe that's what I'll first. bring up. Yeah. Maybe that's what I'll bring up. Yeah. There's a bias. The have we talked about that on the air? We have not. I don't think so. I am blocked by Buffalo Police Department's alerts Twitter. account on Twitter. Which is the Buffalo Police Department. Yeah, it's official. Yeah. Account. And I have no idea why I'm blocked. I clearly oh, have not know. said anything anti-police. 
I mean, maybe if I did say something, I had to have a reason. I mean, I'm not, it's not like I'm some big conspiracy theorist. Yeah. <laughs> As Bobby mentioned, my dad was a cop in the city of Cleveland, and it wasn't even like, he wasn't some bumpkin cop. Like, yeah. He worked in the city. <laughs> he was a dirty. Big city. Dirty cop. Well, he might have been. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and I never. Was he a beat cop, a detective? Nev- he was a beat cop, never wanted to be anything else. Hmm. Uh, worked uh, started in the late sixties. Uh, so we're talking about race riots. Um, the city was, I mean, at Cleveland at that time, it was uh, it was a mess. It was back in the time when the mayor's hair caught on fire, the the river caught on fire. He was doing the mayor was doing a uh, some sort of promotional thing, you know, like where you do the ceremonial first shovel into the ground and whatever. And he was uh, at a at something that was being built. And so he was, or maybe he was welding the last beam in place of some structure and he bent over and his hair kind of flopped down and fell into the path of the, uh, the welding uh, of the welder's torch caught his hair on fire. Whoa. Of course the Cuyahoga river like caught Michael on Jackson. fire. Yeah. Like Michael Jackson in the Pepsi commercial. So, yes. So you're not excited, are you? I'm not. Well, I don't like being on call. I don't really have a problem yeah. with jury duty. I can't plan anything in my week yeah. because I have to keep checking in at 6 o'clock. Now, when I show up, I might get passed over, but I need to be called in so to get to that point where I can say, hey, look, I I'll, you know, I, I hate um, whatever I'll come up with. I hate um, civilians. <laughs> right, yeah. Or I'll profess myself to be uh, sadist. I'm not even sure that would change anything. No, no I think I'd have to be pretty uh, extreme to the point that I get put on a list. Right, I mean. That I don't want to be on. Yeah. Right. <laughs> a so list you, that gets checked by the, the FBI on occasion to see what your I'm athletic hat. That might get you thrown out. Yeah. My athletic hat. associate. Hopefully it's the type of thing that I do have, uh, I'm compromised. Maybe it'll be a trial on the media, something oh. about uh, libel. Yeah. Or uh, who knows. So we'll we'll see if I'm up for jury duty at 6 o'clock. But right now we're going to take a break. When we come back, hopefully we have uh, Jonas Jerebko, power forward of the Golden State Warriors, when we come back on the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. This is the Tim Graham Show. So we all hear voices in our heads. I can hear the voices in my head again. Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. And on the Fans app, free to download in the App Store. Now back to the Tim Graham Show. And I got a job following fat people around with a tuba. Stop it. Cut it out. I have a glandular problem. That'll be $60. Cut it out! I'm just trying to live my life! No one taught me about carbs! Hey, mama said the way you move Gonna make you sweat, gonna make you groove Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. Young Michael, we'll discuss that later. Who sings this, Mike? Um, Young Jeezy? Van Halen. Close. Pink Floyd. <laughs> A little better. I heard you, Bobby. You said Van Halen. <laughs> it's the first Van Halen song I'd probably be able to name. I can't really name this one. 
Wait, you really think this is Van Halen? Do you prefer the David Lee Roth or the Sammy Hagar Van Halen? For Eddie Van Halen. He's good. (laughs) He's a good one. Maybe the all-time greatest guitarist. You think? Well, there's a conversation. You can make the the debate because on the talent, but you people would say, "All right, um, Jimi Hendrix." Or Jimmy Page. I love Jimmy Page. And oh. for sure, they, that might be the answer, too. But a, if you want to make the case for Eddie Van Halen, which I'm not doing, but if you can, it's hard to say anybody else came up with their own style. Like, he invented... His, yeah, his he, was iconic. Yeah, he invented ways to play the guitar that have never been played before. Yeah. Which is pretty impressive. Absolutely. So that, you could say he was an innovator... In addition to being a virtuoso. Absolutely. No, that's interesting because I've never heard somebody argue that. I, I, I'm interested in that different point of view. That's, I mean, that's, they were all, I mean, there were so many great guitarists. Jonah, you come from a musical family. I'm guessing this uh, discussion yeah, has come up brother, once or right? twice. It might have, but I probably didn't participate in the discussion. No? <laughs> you don't have an answer? Yeah, it's just not my thing. Thank you. Music? Yeah, I mean, or, I like or, music, but I don't. I never played an instrument. I don't. Okay. Like if you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can. I can appreciate good music, yeah. but I. If you played all these guitar solos, I wouldn't be able to tell you that oh, one's yeah. technically better than this one. Absolutely. I don't. I don't understand all of Got that. Got it. Could you identify uh, a Van Halen song if it was played for you? Like the Mike. Ro- like Mike ones, Rodak yeah. just did. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite member of Van Halen is Jean Claude Van Halen. <laughs> From the French. <laughs> cover band <laughs> mike this is led zeppelin oh well i was gonna use an expletive in, in fact this, I know. in fact this is led zeppelin and the song that you were singing earlier today in studio that we were discussing as oh, a led I, zeppelin song but i had the words wrong remember this you did The problem with like me and musical lyrics is that half the time I can't understand what they're saying. I'm just guessing. I need to like look up the lyrics. How about you just don't get, don't focus on the lyrics and just listen to the music? Maybe. I don't know. Now that I I, I tell you, it's all it's all preference. I get it. It's funny. Like I, I fancy myself not a musical guy, yet I don't listen to anything but music in the car. Really? Yeah. Oh wow. What do you I, listen to? You listen to a lot of country, right? I used to. Not anymore. It's more. Um, well, I, I say I, this serious. is the new segment of the show. We ask Mike Rodak what he's listening to, and then oh. we ask Bobby what he's vaping. I actually do a lot of like grunge, and um, really, you like the heavy. Stuff? But I've also gotten away from that. Now I've gotten into like serious octane, turbo. Oh, okay. So Some like of like the, heavy the newer, hitters. yeah, the newer heavy stuff. It gets me going. I'm going to the gym. I don't want to listen to like, um, even like Pearl Jam. Going to the gym is not enough of a jolt. Although, I'm in the car today, I was listening to, um, what's the uh, the new rap song? Water or something? You would know. Old it has Tom. to do with water. Um, Drip too hard. Don't uh, stand too close. I don't know. But I was listening to Sirius 44, which is um, hip-hop. I don't know. I, I don't really have a musical lane. And I, I want to. I'm going to check in with Russ Brandon and see what he listens to. Can we, Bobby, can you, let's... Tr- Oh, yeah. yeah Let's definitely. see what Russ is up Let me to. Let see what he's got. Maybe Russ can help us get Jonas on the phone. <laughs> That'd be good. He might be with him. Let's... I just want to see what he's listening to. 
Sorry, Russ Brandon. Damn not available. Wow. He's never there. He must have a nice uh, nice salary. He's working well, he's working hard. Maybe we can get John Warrow on the phone talk about some music. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, that's that's not hard to do. How about your Boston Bruins, Mike? Ooh. You it's been a long time since your hometown teams have won a championship. There was a column in the Buffalo News just a couple of days ago that I don't know that spoke to how most Western New Yorkers feel about Boston. But it interviewed the guy from the restaurant. Um, the Fours. The Fours. Causeway. Right? Yeah. Well, look, Really I, got to the bottom of there's it. There's like, I'm not speaking as a representative of Boston, but maybe I am. But obviously people know, like when you see the billboard that says, end the drought. And there's people from outside of Buffalo who are like, oh, you know, you really think it's a drought. Of course people in Boston don't think it's actually a drought. Like, look, there's... It's the joke. Right. That's the joke. And it's... It's a troll. I think it's a question of if you live there, and I don't. I live in Buffalo. I lived here for six years. But if you do live in Boston and you've been around this for the last, I mean, more than six years, for a while, it's a question of do you enjoy it and maybe rub it in people's faces to a certain extent or do you say hey you know our day of reckoning is coming at some point and we're not gonna enjoy it we're just gonna you know sit back and and not celebrate or brag or whatever like i don't know it's an interesting what was your level of concern when tuka rask who was otherworldly up until game one uh all of a sudden lets in two goals and it's two nothing St. Louis, because the one of the concerns for Bruins fans was that during that layoff, after the Bruins yeah. did what they did in the Eastern Conference Final, right. that the layoff would affect maybe maybe uh, Tukaras slides out of the zone just mm-hmm. enough to right. to open the door. Well, that was what I was going to say. Is that I think you could tell like there was a level of um, just getting back into it for them. So I think rust the concern. Sure level was low if you were a Bruins fan. And again, I'm speaking in the third person here. Um, if one was a Bruins fan. Because I think you understood, like, you know, they were eventually going to get back into the groove. And it had been a long layup. They had that scrimmage uh, at TD Garden that was sold out. Uh, but even then, it's no hitting or anything. Did they so charge? They charged $20 went to Oof. charity. Wow. Went to charity, so. What did you think about um, Cassidy consulting um – the head coach of the Bruins consulting all three of the other major sports coaches. Uh, there's Stevens definitely a um, BB a fraternity, right? There's a uh, and I think I Bill Belichick's been a big part of that. He likes he to go to all the different sports, and he's kind of the well, congregates the, the poobah. The other Terry Francona coaches, used to be involved. Francona, in Doc Rivers, the other coaches tend to gravitate gravitate towards him. I think is really what it is. Everything you do, Alex Cora, uh, uh, Brad Stevens. Cassidy, like they've all almost gone to Belichick for advice because he's yeah. this Yoda-like figure in Boston, and <laughs> yeah. you know he's one of those guys that I think if you come to him for advice and you you make him into that figure, then I think he'll um, in turn respect them or uh, try to represent them. So you, you saw Patriots players at their OTA last week all wearing Bruins hats. I mean, you've seen right. um, all different directions. You know, Belichick's at Celtics games and Alex Cora at the Patriots. It's all sorts of different uh, arrows pointing different directions there. Jonah, your thoughts on the Blues since their 
sweater is, uh, and their logo has to do with a musical blues note. Guitar. Let's bring, yeah, it's a musical note. <laughs> How about Blues Clues? One of my favorite shows growing up on Nickelodeon. Blues Clues, Blues Clues. Oh, Bobby's going to cut that. Yeah, I will. I will have that. You find another notebook. Oh, wait. How does it go? Not well. <laughs> All right, That's when we come awesome. back, hopefully we have Jonas Jerebko. Be we're going to stay late. This. We're going to run it late. Yeah, we got to see what your jury duty, We got to check man. out jury duty. If Jonas Jerebko calls in, I'll I'll keep the show going. Yeah. Like old Howard Stern. Mm-hmm. We'll just blow right past the <laughs> Yeah, we don't the have next anybody, show. we don't have anybody sitting outside with their headphones, so nope. we should be good. <laughs> Rodak Bronstein, Rosati and Graham. Back after this, Sports Radio 1270 the Fan. In and talk about uh, and defend this or any other silliness. Taking your calls at 270 1270. Tim Graham Show. Sports Radio 1270. The Fan. This is a thank you song, and yet, thanks for nothing. <laughs> so far, we're gonna like yeah. we're gonna let the show run into the six o'clock hour because we need to find out if I have jury duty tomorrow. Yeah. Jonah uh, Jonas wants to call in. He can do that. We'll still have him. Well, if he's tuned in here about your jury duty, he better pick up the phone. Some other cool things about Jonas that I wanted to ask him about, but about this song. <laughs> you know how many times people said that to him growing up because they say it to me and my name isn't even Jonas well there's but being in Sweden I wonder how big Weezer is in Sweden well Jonas is Huge. also probably a bigger name in Sweden so I don't think there's a yeah. I want to ask him about Rasmus Dahlin a novelty to it what do you think of that I think it's a good idea Mike Rodak uh, when you're watching the Bills what were you most impressed by you talked at the beginning of the show that the juggling of the offensive line still seems like a little bit of a concern. Uh, what did you see and thought, wow? What or who? Either. I think who? I think Zay Jones definitely has come along. Now, there's always a disclaimer. It's OTAs, no pads on. Are they going to do the same thing in the fall? But I, I wrote a story last week about the Bills not really having a number one wide receiver. And I I would still, I mean, we've had this entire discussion on the show, like what a number one wide receiver is. Is it just the best guy on the roster? The guy who gets the most targets? Does it need to be a specific skill set? I tend to think it does. And I tend to think there isn't one on this team. Um, but even after spending almost $8 million a year on John Brown and $7 million a year on Cole Beasley, number one receiver might be Zay Jones. Um, I... I think the most important receiver is Cole Beasley. Yes, and, and part of it, again, it's May, he's sidelined. Like, you know, maybe things will be different in August and September, but uh, Zay Jones was, was doing things out there. And, you know, whether that means he's a different player or going to be playing at a higher level than he was last year, or especially two years ago, I think remains to be seen. But right now, I think he's number one on my depth chart. There's no depth charts this time of year, is what Sean McDermott and Brian Dable said. But I think he's number one. Again, is he a number one receiver? I don't think so. And I wrote last week that, to some extent, I think you need one. If you look at 
you know, the last five years worth of playoff teams, 80% of them have a receiver who finished in the top 32 in the NFL among receivers and, and receiving yards. The Bills haven't had one of those guys in five years since Sammy Watkins in 2015. And before that, it was Stevie Johnson four or five years before that. So just have a guy who finishes where a number one receiver should, which is theoretically in the top 32 in the NFL. Obviously, it's not an exact science. There's all different variables that go into that. But just have a guy like that. Maybe Zay Jones is that guy. And I, I would have said a couple weeks ago, maybe John Brown or Cole Beasley, but um, – you did I'm not. not. So sure. We talked uh, about it at the beginning of the show, and then we had Dave Naylor on from TSN. He's their CFL uh, national reporter, and he had some thoughts on Duke Williams and and brought up some things to be uh, pessimistic about the fact that Duke Williams was unable to get on the field as a rookie, even though he did have the pedigree, or at least the uh, he came with the um, uh, with the physical credentials that he did. Um, what? Um, Duke Williams just doesn't uh, doesn't do it for you, huh? Well, he has the physical size. I mentioned this earlier in the but, show, and I'm saying not him personally, specifically, but when you look in the whole, you know, the the spectrum of the entire group, and you, well, you and what we do at this time of year is try to figure out, okay, who's going to make right, who has a chance to make the team and, and so not make the team. Me and your your colleague Matthew Fairburn had this discussion yesterday at practice that there's a pretty you know, dark black line between the guys who are going to be part of the rotation at receiver and the guys who aren't. I don't know if there's a whole lot of um, uncertainty at that spot. I mean, you have your top four, Foster, Jones, Beasley, Brown. Roberts most likely makes it as a return guy. And then you have all these other guys who, you know, promise, prospects, whatever, Ray Ray McLeod and uh, Damari Scott, Victor Bolden, Isaiah McKenzie, Duke Williams – the undrafted guys, David Sills, Nick Easley, and I'm probably forgetting a name or two in there, but none of those guys really does a whole lot for me. And I think the fact that the Bills didn't draft a receiver this year makes it even more clear. I just don't know if any of those guys really rise up and, and make the team. And I wasn't overly impressed by watching Duke Williams yesterday drop the pass over the middle. Um, you know, Again, we don't see – every practice like there's three practices last week there's three this week we only get to watch one of them it's hard to know exactly what happens in the other ones but he wasn't getting first team reps at all even guys like Graver McLeod were mixing in with the first team Damari Scott mixing in with the first team there was a lot of hope I guess among Bills fans when he signed in January Duke Williams did that oh you know I even saw some place that you know he was a lock to make the roster which I thought was crazy Yes, he did lead the CFL in receiving last year, but none of these CFL guys really tend to make it in the NFL, with the exception of Cameron Wake. I mean, long-term, make really an impact in the NFL. You know, we can talk about Doug Flutie. There was kind of a transition back and forth with him. So just the fact that they signed a guy out of the CFL doesn't mean anything. It was a futures deal, just like a guy signing off the practice squad. Speaking he starts of- from the bottom. Speaking of making the roster, one just thing I want to point out, and I did in the story, but a lot of people didn't read the story. They just saw the headline. Uh, Sonoris Perry, who's wearing number 32 for the first time in 42 years, it was taken out of circulation because of O.J. Simpson, the Bills, because they have officially retired 12, 34, and 78. They decided we're not going to officially retire 32, so let's start giving it out again. Sonoris Perry is going to be the first one to wear it. 
And a lot of people, the reaction in the comment section underneath uh, the story that I wrote for TheAthletic.com and also on, on Twitter were saying, what a waste for a guy who's not even going to make the team. If I were a betting man, I think Sonoris Perry does make the team mm-hmm. because he is maybe the best special teams coverage guy they have mm-hmm. on their roster. He was signed for that reason. So don't look at his stats and say, and uh, there's a guy with eight NFL carries in his he wasn't five signed or, to be a running back. five or six NFL seasons, whatever it is. Yeah, he's not supposed to. He's not going to play running back for you right. unless there's an emergency. I wouldn't even put him in that category. I'd you know, see him competing against guys like Julian Stanford and Dion Lacey. And... Right. He's not going to beat out TJ Yeldon or LaShawn McCoy or Frank Gore. Right. Um, and I don't know and, if all... And all three of those might not make the roster anyway. Right. I think you keep two of those. And then you have Devin Singletary, who was getting first-team reps yesterday, and he's going to make the team. He's a third-round pick. Um, you don't really need more than that. I mean, on a game day, you're probably having three running backs active, and one of those could be Perry. I mean, it's a stretch to get four active plus a fullback. That means you're taking away the offensive line or defensive linemen, and you, you're probably going to want Perry active to play in teams. So that third running back, if you have four, is kind of useless. So uh, you keep two out of the Yeldon-Gore-McCoy group. I, I just feel like Gore has the edge just because of the pedigree, and they seem so high on him as a leader, as a locker room guy. And maybe you pick between LaShawn McCoy and TJ Yeldon. And right now, I'd give the edge to McCoy. No jury duty for me tomorrow. Oh, That's yeah. not, that doesn't get me off. That doesn't get me off the. Well, go ahead and jot down that time, too, Bobby. <laughs> I, I did. Uh, it doesn't get me off the hook uh, because now I have to call in tomorrow. At six o'clock. Did you right. call in right now? Well, you can call in, or there's a website too. Oh. I just hit. I just checked in on the website while you were talking about the running backs there. Success. And, uh, or I'm sorry, talking about the receivers. And uh, yeah, so I, but I. That's the thing is, I'm still on call, oh, so I now have to check in tomorrow at six p.m. And if not, then then I check in Friday at six p.m. for Monday, and I think I'm on the hook until the end of next week. Jeez. Uh, I do have a favorable number, but. Who's to say? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Who is that? Uh, just a guy saying yes. I just have a couple. Let's hear it again. Yes. I, I got to go through the cycle. Oh, again. I see. Yes. Where do you find these? Yes. Is there like a I, uh, producer's CD with all these on it? Nope. There is the a black market. The internet. I just have to search it and find all my stuff. I do you, just, of, you steal all this stuff from the internet, don't, don't you? Steal. You don't have any rights to play this. <laughs> it's all, uh, what do you call it? Fair use. Bobby's daring We're not making direct money him. off of it. So, All right, I'm looking at the switchboard here. We're not going to get Jonas Jerebko, which is okay. I mean, today's media day, and uh, but we're, we're not within the window that the Warriors were supposed to talk. Warriors PR uh, was efforting, uh, but no Jonas uh, today. Uh, we've run out of time. Uh, and uh, we'll be back here next week. If, if I don't get snagged by jury duty next Tuesday, because I think I'm still... This is Erie County, by the way, if people are wondering what system that I'm, I've am i fallen into here. The on-call thing is... Uh, tiresome. It, it's tiresome, and uh, I can't plan out it. Can't, I can't make any p- permanent plans until the night before in terms of appointments or work-related stuff or any of that. Because people say, hey, can you make it here tomorrow at 11.30? I don't know. Yeah, right. I literally don't know. Can't tell you. Anywho. Thanks to everybody. Thanks to Dave Naylor of TSN, Football Insider, coming on to talk about Toronto sports scene and how the NBA is growing rapidly in Canada and whether or not it could actually take over 
uh, hockey. And if you missed that segment, be sure to check the Tim Graham podcast for that, uh, Tim Graham Show podcast. Uh, and uh, if you want to check back on Periscope, uh, that is archived on uh, a video stream of that. Uh, thanks to Scooter Vertino, Senior Vice President and General Manager of NBA Digital for Turner Sports. Also talking about the NBA Final. Uh, for my co-host, Mike Rodak of ESPN.com. For Jonah Bronstein. For Bobby Rosati. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week on The Tim Graham Show. Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. The Tim Graham Show, now on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. He was in for the drinks and the skirts, allegedly. <laughs> Chase.